Thanks for listening to Hanging With The Sultanas Podcast Good mama and dada This is the Gracias, Ariela. We would like to give you a trigger warning because we will be discussing a very sensitive matter, which is, as a parent, how do you handle the tragic news that your child has been sexually abused? No parent wants to hear that or have that conversation with their children. And that's the point of this episode today is yeah. how do you become proactive to better educate your children and educate ourselves as parents in this matter? At what age should you start talking to your kids about this? And what signs can indicate that maybe your child has suffered abuse, but they just haven't told you yet? Mm. We will have two amazing guests with us today. Our awesome and brave friend, who's also my co-host on the Shaboy Show, Becca, Yay. who's a survivor. And also Ariana, who's a licensed marriage family therapist that has dealt with hundreds of cases like this. Coming up next. Before we continue, we'd like to thank God for giving us another opportunity to hang out with you. My yes. name is Shaboy Edgar, and this is my awesome wife, Janet. Hola. And Ariana, Becca, welcome. Thanks for hanging with Los Otelos. Thank you for inviting. Thank you. Becca's like, damn, bro, like, I just saw you at work. Now I'm hanging out with you again. <laughs> like, yeah. <For> real. <laughs> like, bro. Sorry, just Becca. Move away. <laughs> Just uh, kidding. We love you so much, Becca. <laughs> we can't get enough of you. <laughs> yes. Oh, I and love you guys too. <laughs> thank you, amor. Ariana, thank you for being with us. Uh, Familia, we recently spoke about this topic on our radio show, Shaboy Show. And Becca, we spoke about it beforehand. And she said, I want to share my survivor story. So brave of you. In hopes that she can impact mm -hmm. other people's families and hopefully save other children from going through this or better equip families right to heal mm -hmm. i want to thank you for that becca so much because it's not easy yeah and thank you for thank being you. on with us on the podcast to discuss it again and what brought up this whole topic because as latinos no nos gusta hablar de estas cosas it's scary it's a scary topic it's taboo nobody it's wants to think about their child going through something horrific like this yeah nobody wants to think that a family member or a close friend of the family would dare do something oh. like this to your child and yeah. it can break up a family over believing or not the child mm. and it's not fair to the child it's such an emotional topic i mean there's anger there's fear it's scary i mean you can go on and on And a lot of it is just we're uneducated in the topic. And mm. that's why there's that fear. Yeah. And that's what we want to tackle today. This topic came up on our show because Alejandra Guzman, who's a huge Latin singer. Roquera. Roquera, mm. una gran artista mexicana. And her daughter, who's in her 20s now, Frida Sofia, have this issue going on in their family. Frida, her daughter, has accused her mother's father. Su abuelito. 
el abuelito de Frida, mm -hmm. of sexually abusing her when she was a child. Which is a huge bomb because he is a mega rock star, an icon from Mexico. And that alone there, though, doesn't mean that, oh, because they're famous, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to do something like this. Pero es el chisme. <laughs> right. And Alejandra Guzmán, a 100% took her father's side and discredited her daughter. And here's a little bit of the interviews she's been giving in regards to the situation with her daughter. Uh, she was asked, why does she think her daughter came out with these accusations? Y esto es lo que dijo Alejandra. ¿Por qué crees que lo esté haciendo? A ver, Alejandra. Pues porque es muy fácil así tener followers y así poder... Pero este... así, así tan simplista, es decir... Pues es que así es. A mí me enseñaron a ser artista y para eso me gusta entretener a la gente. No para hacer un drama y para obtener followers. So she thinks her daughter is just doing it for followers. Her daughter is in her 20s. Also... Uh is a, a singer and so on and so forth. They also asked Alejandra Guzman, well, why don't you believe your daughter? Why do you say that she's lying? Quiero que la gente se dé cuenta de que hay un desorden que hace decir cosas que igual ella cree que son ciertas, pero para eso se necesita alguien profesional. And Alejandra, imagine this, your mom publicly saying uh, it's because she has a mental health issue, and that's why she's lying, borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Now, the National Personality Disorder Mental Health Association of Mexico came out after Alejandra said this and said, first of all, that's terrible that you're saying that yeah. because one of the traits of our multiple personality disorders is not lying. Yeah. And if she does have a mental health issue, it's because of a trauma. Exactly. So, exactly. so if you're saying your daughter's not mentally stable and healthy, what caused it? Egg, yeah. Why wouldn't you listen to your daughter? Yeah. Mental health issues don't just necessarily happen. Some of them do for chemical imbalances and so on and so forth, yeah. but many of them are due because of traumas as a child. Yeah. And that's why you act out in different ways. And then they also asked Alejandra, ¿Por qué le crees a tu papá? Why do you believe your dad? No me gusta ver a mi papá destruido por algo que no hizo. ¿Cómo sabes que no lo hizo? Porque lo sé, porque... So just because she believes her dad is a great man and she chooses to believe him. Yeah. Do you think this is the right thing to do as a parent? That is a topic that we had on our show. It's heartbreaking to hear and to see. Alejandra, there's no way for sure that she can know that her daughter didn't suffer this. There's no way. Right. But yet she just says, my dad's too good of a man to do something like that. And this hits very close to home in my little sister's life, which is Becca, my amazing co-host, our friend, who unfortunately lived through something like this and ended up confessing it to her parents and had a similar situation happen to her. Becca, mm -hmm. again, thank you for being with us. We're here for you. Take it at your own pace. And I just hope this really touches people's hearts and prepares them because this happens more often than not, more than we think in our familias. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here. I guess I can start with uh, the day that I told my mom. Um, I felt like this whole story with uh, Alejandra Guzman really hit close to home because Frida Sofia describes how she experienced sexual abuse when she was five years old. And my, my sexual abuse started when I was between the ages of four and six. And I always thought that it was something that I could live with because my tío didn't physically raped me so because he didn't rape me I thought oh well whatever you know I can get over it every day that I get through is 
you know, I'll, I'm fine as long as I just try to m- remain busy. But then one day I just, uh, I saw him dating a girl that was my age and it, it was like all the memories flooded back into my mind. And um, I had tried telling my mom in high school and then I failed and I felt like really embarrassed. And I thought like our family would always have family parties. So I, I knew that if I came out with this information, um, we wouldn't be having those family parties and I would basically destroy the family. But once I saw that he started dating someone my age, it was just like I couldn't even take it anymore. Um and it was, I believe, back in like 2017 or 2018 that I, I told my mom. And um, I remember us being in the car and we were on our way to a family party. And I told her what had been happening and uh, or what had happened to me and that I had tried to live with it for so long, but I just couldn't do it anymore. And me, I felt like such a hypocrite because I felt like I always try to tell women to speak up and to you know, be as strong as they possibly can. So me not speaking up for decades, I felt like I was lying to myself. So um, when I told her, I remember her just telling me that she had experienced something. It wasn't even like similar, but she had experienced something that really like had traumatized her. And like, we both kind of cried a little bit in the car. And then I remember just like immediately after going to a family, the family party that we were on our way to. And I remember just looking at her like, I, I can't believe that you're still putting me in this environment, you know? And I, I thought, you know, maybe if I, because this deal, ironically, like I um, was trying to be really close with, um, I thought maybe me being close to him, I could persuade myself like he's not a bad man. He's not this, he's not that, you know, all of that stuff. But I just, after that day, I was like, wow, I I can't believe my mom's still putting me in this setting. So I went to my sister for help. And then my sister just, she got mad at my mother and um, it started this big old pleito. And then, and she had my back throughout the entire process. And I, I remember after I told my sister, I told my grandmother, I went to my grandma's house and I told her that I needed to tell her something about her son. And when I got there um, and told her the news, she just like, I will never forget her face. Like she just looked at me like I was like the most evil person ever. And she called me. She called me a mala and she said that she already had enough problems to not bring her more. And that how could she say that I didn't take care, that she didn't take care of me? Or when all this was happening, my parent, my grandparents were going through a really bad divorce. And there was a lot of different types of abuse in my grandparents' house. So it was easy for things to just happen right under their nose. So after she told me that, and I told her that I was thankful that she tried to raise me, but it was not, it was a very toxic environment. Uh, She just kicked me out of the house. Like she kicked me out of the house that I grew up in. And then I hadn't seen her for two years after that until the recent passing of my grandfather. But it it was just really difficult um, because after all, like I ended up telling these people, my sister ended up just like being like my warrior. Like she was at the front lines and she was just really upset with everybody that just like kind of just exiled me and um, nobody wanted to hear my side nobody wanted to talk to me and my mom didn't know how to handle any of it my parents were fighting a lot 
like I I told my mom one day that I I just told her that I didn't want to talk to her anymore that I did not care to have a relationship with her if we didn't get help together and um so finally after after everything fell apart um and she realized that that was like the last straw uh she finally went to group therapy or family therapy with me and um that helped us out a lot because uh the therapist basically was trying to teach her how she should love me and hear me out um so had it not been because of the therapy and like my sister I don't think I would have been able to survive that part of my life that was very difficult thank you Becca for opening up your heart and and unfortunately your pain again and I know your story will impact our listeners lives to be more vigilant about this to approach this topic from a different perspective because how crazy is it that you're coming out as the victim you know saying hey I'm a victim of this abuse and everybody victimized themselves and you were all of a sudden the bad person mm-hmm. in the picture because mm-hmm. they didn't want to see reality. They didn't want to see that their family isn't perfect. This uncle of yours has issues. So they'd rather victimize you and put it on you again. And you still broke through that and you led your family, your immediate family through therapy and you helped them heal. And I just think that's so courageous of you. <sighs> That you were the one that was Thank hurt. You. You're the one that needed the love, but yet you fought for their love and for their healing. Oh, that's ironic. And and that is what amazes me of you is your resilience to not give up on loving your family, mm-hmm. your parents, and Andy, tu hermana, your older mm-hmm. sister. She's my everything. I I literally would do anything for her she's she's fought many battles for me that I'm just like crazy now because everybody in the family just like sees her as this like evil person and I'm just like wow like she's actually an angel on earth like (laughs) thank you so much for opening up I'm like literally holding back my tears and I heard your story on the show and before that and every time I feel like I cry (laughs) but this time I'm like holding them back because I, I feel like I'm I'm listening to it in a different way. The previous times it was like sad, but right now I'm feeling like anger, you know, like towards the uncle. Yeah. And and it, and it's almost like if you were my daughter, I would be so upset. Like we have a 4-year-old and I can't imagine that happening to Ariela or Alani when you know when you you were their age and it's crazy and I appreciate you for being so brave and so bold and vulnerable because we're all learning something you know I almost felt like I had a certain perspective with the Frida Sofia situation and after hearing Becca it makes me think differently like oh how come nobody's really paying attention to her you know and before yeah. it was easy to just be like, oh, judging her. Like, oh, no, All the mom. The, loca, la niña. She's crazy. She needs attention and she's doing mm-hmm. anything. Like her own mom says, she's doing it for followers, for the gram. Yeah. And and it's like another movement that can come about. You know, it's like the we movement. Pero aquí es como más en serio. Porque when you're a kid, like, how do you express those things? And, and I wanted to ask you, Becca, like, what was it that made you talk to your mom? Like, this is the day I'm going to tell her. What did it that you were like, today is the day? Like, once I saw that Facebook post that my deal was in a relationship with a girl my age, 
that was when I knew it was like the last straw. And, and I, it was almost like, I, I know I told my mom the day I, we were going to a family party because I didn't want, want to see him. But, um, my, I don't know why my mom still put me in that like situation, but I just remember like, like how, how, cause she would, she would ask me all the time, like, how, how do you want me to handle this? And I'm like, I thought I learned love through you. You know, I thought I learned how to love through you. So why am I supposed to teach you how to mother me? And I just remember like being in therapy and like the therapist having to tell my mom this, the low statistic of like victims that make it up, you know, because I know my entire family like thinks I lied and thinks all of these nasty things about me. But like, it was almost like my mom finally hearing that low statistic. It was like, oh, really? And then like, once I painted the picture of like, if this were to happen to your grandchildren, how would you feel? Like, wouldn't we try to protect my, all of my sister's kids at all costs? Like, I don't understand, like, with me, like, why, um, like, I know I already got through it, and I'm, like, an adult, and I'm older and stuff, but this trauma, like, me reflecting back and going through a lot of therapy has really taught me how I am as a person, because for so long, I really resented men, and for so long, like, like, my uncle used to not pay attention to me in public, and then at home give me like like an over amount of attention so it really messed up my perspective of just myself and I struggle with like loving myself still because I know I have to unlearn like these behavioral patterns my sister actually like brought it up to me she's like I never understood why you hated men so much why you resented them why you this that whatever and it was like I just didn't know how to like want to receive a man's love and like give them love. And then like, I became very promiscuous. And then like, I also didn't want to go to like my grandma's house, but I knew like, if I got good grades at home, my parents wouldn't question where I was at. So like I was out with kids that I knew I shouldn't have been out with, you know, doing drugs or being like, somewhere on the streets but because I was such a good student academically like I knew that my parents wouldn't question anything but I just didn't want to be at my grandma's house sometimes I, I know like why my parents felt like they had no other option but to send me there because they didn't have money to just like pay for like a babysitter or whatever you know yeah. but I, I just they also chose not to hear me out when I told them and my sister told them that we didn't want to go there anymore you know, and they worked really long hours. My my parents have always worked. I always say that like they were only there for like the fun parts, like like to put me to bed, to wake me up, and then on the weekends, like I didn't see them for the majority of the day because they worked so much. You know, so it's like I feel like that's a big reason why so many things fall through the cracks because our culture like is known to work so hard and to keep pushing and to try to provide for your family like financially and like a roof over their heads and food but like emotionally and mentally I feel like is where we lack a lot and right. it shows through generational trauma thank you Becca for opening up so much in detail again because people don't know and I think a lot of people can assume oh well that happened to you when you were five yeah. you should be over it 
by now. And, and, and I know it's very painful, but I love the fact that you gave so much detail through each different stage of your life and how to this day, you're still trying to heal and overcome the pain and the trauma. And thank God you're going mm-hmm. to therapy. And thankfully, you've surrounded yourself by good people that love and celebrate you and encourage you and challenge you and are there for you now. Uh, you're a lot wiser and stronger because of it. And things are better with you and your mom and your dad now because you guys went to therapy too. But I want people yeah. to hear this because if we don't talk about this topic with our kids, if we don't educate ourselves, your child could potentially go through something like this. Yeah, and I don't know that. one parent that would want this for their kid. No. I don't want this for Adelana Lani. I don't want this for anybody. Yeah. But yeah. we that's why we're talking about it today. And that's why we also have our licensed marriage family therapist, Ariana, with us. And coming up next, she will break it down as to how should you react as a parent if your child confesses this to you, no matter what their age is. What signs can you potentially see in your kids if they have gone through any abuse, but they haven't confessed it to you? Yeah. And at what age should you start talking to them about this? We'll be right back. All right, family. Now we'll be talking with our licensed marriage family therapist, Ariana. Thank you for being with us again. And I, you just heard Becca's survivor testimony. And our first question for you is how should parents respond the moment their child confesses that they've been sexually abused? Whether they're a child or like in Becca's case, she was already an, an adult. Thank you, Edgar, um, Janet, and today, Becca, uh, for sharing your story. And I hope this gives other people an opportunity to feel empowered um, to come and disclose their childhood abuse. So with children, what we're looking at is when your child discloses that they've been sexually abused, it's imperative for the parent to believe the child 100%. We do not question the child. We do not shame the child. The second thing we could do is we could protect the child. Once the perpetrator is identified, you don't want this child near this person. Mm -hmm. You don't force them to say hello, shake their hand or give them a hug. And you keep that perpetrator away from all children. That's very important to remember. It's not your job. It's the law's job. But if you know someone that has been identified as a perpetrator, but then you allow that person to be around other children, then those children are also at risk. And the last thing you could do is that you could advocate for your child. So you connect them to professional services, depending on what is being disclosed of the timing. If the child discloses that they've been recently sexually assaulted, you take them to the emergency room so they could process and collect evidence and potentially repair anything that has been damaged physically in their body and to rule out any diseases that they may have contracted with the, with the abuse. If time has passed and they're stable, you want to connect them to counseling services, potentially connect to law enforcement, follow a restraining order, and get your legal legal matters situated because sometimes more likely the person who perpetrated against a child was someone you know. And so if we're dealing with someone in your household, maybe your arrangements are looking very different now that you know that you don't have a safe person in your home. Thank you. 
how do we as parents become proactive, Ariana? And how can we help prevent this by better educating ourselves and, and our children? And at what age can we start talking to our kids about this? So when we're dealing with children that are under five years old, there are great children books that talk about body safety, that their body is precious. They talk about that anybody that goes beyond your bubble, that you have a circle around your body and anyone who crosses that bubble, that they are not allowed to do that. But then we also use words like a triangle is in front of your body and behind your body. So if anybody touches the triangle of your body, then you need to tell the safe people in your life. Mommy is safe. Daddy is safe. I love this. Can you uh, refer us to some of these books? I'm going to put them on my Amazon cart right now. (laughs) Yeah. This is for children under five. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't have any right now than titles, but I'd be more than happy to look for that That and send it over. Thank you Um, so much. At the end of this episode, we will let you know what books those are. And we'll also put it in the description of the podcast. We'll put it there as well. Yes, that would be great. Thank you. For school age children, being proactive is not using words to refer to our genitals that are sound cuter. So there's always like a slang, like instead of referring to the penis, they would say a different word. So we would not use any words that describe the genital area. We want to make sure that they understand what it is. So speaking in in biological terms, like if they're absolutely the kids are older, say this is your penis. If it's a woman, this is your vagina. Mm -hmm. Right. And don't call it anything cute or whatever it may be to kind of protect it. No. Right. Because. Unfortunately, what happens is that when you visit a courtroom and they're being cross-examined and they refer to... Or like their penises are wee-wee or... Yes. Then they're going to... So I am defending the perpetrator and the child saying, he touched my wee-wee. Right. They will look at each other. What are you talking about? You don't know what that is. Is that your Nintendo Wii? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And part of changing those names, it's almost like we're not comfortable saying breast and vagina and penis. Right. Right. We're not sexualizing the child. We're just simply saying this is as we were to say, this is your nose mm-hmm. and they're right. your eyes. Ariana, this is so good because we're learning so much, especially in nuestra cultura. We don't like talking about sex. We don't like talking about these topics. It's taboo. It's uncomfortable. It's weird. It's awkward. We're always made to think like it's something bad or something you do in the dark. Or And it's not about that. It's about being open. Because if we keep pushing it under the rug and it's taboo and we don't talk about that, then guess what? Our kids are not going to have la confianza, mm. right? Or feel comfortable the enough. The so trust. Uh-huh. Thank you, babe. The trust to be able to come and speak to us about these things. If we don't have... That same trust to like tell them what their parts are really called. (laughs) Right. And then nobody should touch that. And if they do, you need to tell us immediately. Ariana, what are some signs that we can see in our kids that maybe they have been suffering an abuse, but they haven't come open to us? So in relation to sexual abuse, what a child will display is sexual behavior or knowledge that's past their age, past their developmental stage. Um, that is not appropriate. So it's not appropriate for a five-year-old 
to be interested in pornography. So when we see the thing is that when we start seeing this knowledge and this over-sexualized behavior is that could be a telling of where are they experiencing or learning this information. When we see reoccurring bedwetting from children, um, we see some speech loss, some thumb sucking. We definitely would see also some sleep disturbance. The sleep disturbance could look like difficulty with falling asleep, initiating sleep and maintaining sleep, you know, not feeling safe to fall asleep. But sometimes they may experience bad dreams where they could remember that they're being harmed. But sometimes they have nightmares where they do not recall the content, but they wake up crying, hyperventilating, um, not feeling safe, their hearts palpitating, you know, any pain or itching or bruising in the genital areas is telling changes in their mood. You know, we know our children, we know their temperament. They're anxious, they're worried, they're displaying stomach pains, they're sad, they're tearful. When we see the severe mood change is what we need to keep in mind. Got it. Well, thank you, Ariana, for being on with us and, and, and educating us some more about this topic. I know that I've learned a lot. And Becca, thank you so much again for your survivor testimony. I think that is definitely going to impact a lot of people's lives to be more aware about this and, and ultimately... Is there anything else that either you would like to add for the parents listening to us right now or big brothers and sisters that can also play a proactive role in this? Uh, I'll start with you, Becca. I just wanted to add that, yeah, no matter what, just really hear out your child. I think at the end of the day, like I just wanted, especially like my parents to believe me and, and to create a safe space. And I felt like for a really long time, I didn't have that in my own home and that was very, very uncomfortable and like super scarring. And it's something that I'm still like trying to navigate through right now. But I would say just like, just believe your kid and like, no matter what, do whatever you can to get help for the family, like your kid, your whole family, like just figure out how you can get through it together. Because I feel like from, for me, um, my sister always made me feel like she never told me, how are you going to get through this? It was always, how are we going to get through this? And that really made me feel protected and loved because I feel like no matter what, like I've said it before, like where there is any type of abuse, there's the absence of love. And I, I like, there's, you, you can't have both in the same setting, brushing things like this under the rug. It's only more negative for you and your kids and their kids in the long run. So try to break those generational traumas and know that like, if your kid is coming forward with something, it's because they only want a better future and they want, they don't want to live in the conditions that they're living in. Like there's something's got to give. Absolutely. And I applaud everybody who comes forth with it, whether you want to or not, just know that you have a friend in me. <laughs> we could talk about it and we can yes. cry and I can help you out. We can help yeah. each other out together. Well, we, we saw it already when we spoke about it on our show, Becca, the tons of phone calls, unfortunately, mm. that came in. And I say unfortunately, because that means that so many other people related to you and have been through this um, mm-hmm. horrific experience. 
but mm-hmm. also y'all got to talk about this and connect and know that you're not alone. And a lot of it is just knowing that you're not alone. Like your sister said, Hey, I'm here and we are going to get through this. And I want to mm-hmm. say to you, if you have been abused or if you are a parent and you want to be more proactive about this, you are not alone. We are here with you. God is with you. Becca's here with you. You can uh, mm-hmm. reach out to her on her Instagram. And what is your Instagram handle, Becca? At Becca, B-E-C-C-A-M as in Mary Guzman. At Becca M. Guzman. And yes. Ariana, is there anything else you would like to add before we give your contact info? Let's continue having this conversation, right? With our children, with our families. And thank you for making time to address this. Thank you, Ariana. Thank for you. All that you do for our familias and so many patients that you see and for mm. wanting to heal families. And at the end of the day, that was the purpose of this episode today is, Becca, you said it best. How do we stop these generational traumas from continuing and breaking those chains so -hmm. that we can have healthier generations of families and we don't Mm -hmm. have to continue reliving the same traumas and issues and problems and and dysfunction in our families just because we don't feel comfortable talking about this topic. Yeah. Las queremos mucho. Muchísimas gracias, Ariana. Thank you, Becca. We'll see you at work tomorrow. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> Te quiero mucho. I'm proud of you. You guys, thank you for making thank time you. for yes. this. And Ariana, what is your website, please, for our listeners to visit in case they want to contact you? TherapyGonzalez.com. That's Gonzalez with just Z's. Two Z's. TherapyGonzalez.com. Perfect. I want to thank you both for for hanging out with us. I I am so proud of you both. Dos mujeres latinas, una valiente, otra educándonos. Y, y in, we're in this together. Becca, you know we love you. We're here for you to listen to you anytime you want to just cry. Whatever you need, we're here for you. We're here for you too. <laughs> yes, we can connect you to people that know a lot more than us in this yes. field, like Ariana and so on and so forth, that can help you navigate through this process and heal. Los queremos mucho. Muchísimas gracias. Love you, ladies. Love you, too. Dios los bendiga. Take care. Bendiciones. Gracias. And before we wrap up, familia, as promised, Ariana Gonzalez, our therapist, sent us a list of good books and resources you could read. It's called Do You Have a Secret? That's one book. Another book is Feeling Worried, Everyday Feelings. A third book you could read is Please Tell, A Child's Story About Sexual Abuse. And last but not least, My Body is Private. That is another book that's a great resource. Or you can visit playtherapysupply.com for more books like this. We thank you guys for hanging out. We love you. And remember that the best is yet to come. Love, serve, and celebrate each other always, familia. And if you want to connect with us, hit us up on social media. Yes, uh, hashtag losotelos or losotelos.com. Los queremos mucho. Bendiciones. Thanks for listening to Hanging With. Oh, 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 oh,